Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the Oklahoma City 82 podcast, or the OKC 82 podcast, whatever you want to call it. Um, OKC 82 podcast is back. We are back in a big way. Uh, shout out to Brady Trantham and Madison Morris for, you know, kind of uh, giving us uh, the blessing, if you will, for getting this podcast back up and running. I know I've had a bunch of questions like, where did OKC 82 go? Yada, yada, all that stuff. Well, fear no more. It is back. And uh, we are going to come back in a big way. All of the um, all the shows here. I, I got uh, Christine Butterfield with me today. Um, coming up, I, I will have I have stuff with Derek Parker lined up. Um, stuff I'm sure we'll get Brandon Rabar on Jerry Ramsey, Brian Chat. We'll get we'll get all these guys on uh, that you guys know and love. Maybe some Chisholm Holland action in as well. We're also going to have a uh, basketball insider show on Saturday that will also be posted on OKC 82. So if you missed that, don't worry. All of those Saturday shows as well throughout the off season will also be on OKC 82, whether whoever's on it on those Saturday shows, they will be posted on OKC 82 as well. And then what everyone wants, you know, is, is the post games. The post games will also return to OKC 82. That will be myself and Christine Butterfield and our man Josh Conant, hopefully, if he still wants to do it next year, we don't know. But I hope that he, he had enough fun. Dream I hope that he had enough fun that he wants to return uh, to the post games next season. But all of that being said, uh, if you if you have a second, go shout out, uh, go say thank you, shout out to Madison Morris and Brady Trantham one more time because they're uh, some of the best. So uh, and we love them. So tell them thank you and. Uh, for giving this blessing to get this awesome podcast back up and running. But as I mentioned, this podcast, I felt like it was only right to start off with my postgame partner. And that is Christine Budfield. Christine, how are we doing? I'm so glad to be doing this again. Me too. I feel like it's been a hot minute since you and I have like gotten to talk ball together. I know. I'm so psyched right now. It's great. It's great. It's always great uh, talking to you. I've been having some FOMO and uh, <laughs> having some having some uh, FOMO up from and. I've been missing uh, Flint too. I've I think, been missing our post game yeah, vibes. I've been missing be Flint. The post game yeah. vibes are always immaculate. And uh, who knows? Maybe later on in the show, if you're a frequent listener to the post game show, we might just get a vibe check. We might just get a vibe we check might here, just go here at for the it. end. We might just do it. Um, but anyways, Christine, you know, people haven't heard from us since uh, since the end uh, of the you know the tank. We'll the regular go, the yeah, tank. Sure. The repositioning. Uh, in the regular, what other like hot words can we say? Yeah, yeah, the hot rehydration, uh, all that stuff <laughs> about it. But you put out some uh, draft grades a while back uh, on the franchise. Like okay.com. Yeah, some thunder grades, not draft grades. Sorry, the thunder. I, I'm in draft mode. If I you know, can't tell, I've been, I've been anal- in, deep yeah, analyzing I in, everything. I'm in all draft mode. If you can't tell, but yeah, some thunder grades uh, from this past season, and I really just wanted to go down some of them with or go through some of them with you and uh, just kind of see your thoughts and give the people your thoughts on, you know, how you thought some guys did this season in what was, you know, it was a struggle. It was a weird one. So it's hard to grade technically, but it was 82 games and we, and we did that for all of them. And we did that. It felt like 82. It it felt felt like like 82. (laughs) But before you even get 
get into that, I yeah. want to say, um, like I, you know, like I put out like articles and thunder grades, but Matt, you put out your end of the, <laughs> the season exit, thunder exit yeah, yeah. yeah, your exit gifts. And I just want to say, I deeply, deeply appreciate Thank those. You. If you haven't checked that out, please, it is worth the scroll on Matt's profile on Thank Twitter. You. I appreciate at it. I am Matt Burton. At on Twitter. I am Matt Burton. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. And Both of us giving the best thunder coverage sure, out there. For sure. Uh, mine are just. Uh, stupid ones and it takes me like maybe 17 minutes to come up with them and then I just post them out it and it's great. something stupid and fun to pass the time um, yours actually you have put a lot of thought into it and all this stuff <laughs> and no, but between actually, both of us yeah. you have everything you could ever want right exactly exactly um, so going through some of your thunder grades from this season we'll just start off with the main man Shea Gildas Alexander you gave him an A and I mean I I think I, I would tend to agree with you. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people would tend to agree with you from what we got to see from Shea, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I, I mean, he was, again, like a fringe all-star player. Like It was one of those, if he's on a better team, I think there's no doubt he would probably be in the all-star game. You look, like, yeah. you look at a guy like DeJounte Murray, who was putting up great stats, and the Spurs were... You know they were in the play-in conversation and and all this stuff, but they eh, weren't a good team. But right. he made the All-Star team, so yeah. like who knows if Shea and the Thunder are in that play-in conversation? Who knows? Uh, Shea maybe you know making his first All-Star appearance like Dejounte Murray did. Um, but Christine, you gave him an A. The floor is yours. Yes, I mean the best player on the Thunder's team right now. How could you not give him? the best grade, especially after he went through that injury that put him in a 10-game stretch where he was on the bench. The second he came back from that, he was on a completely other level. I mean, other stratosphere, really. He literally had, I think... He averaged 35 points per game in his first three games back. And then in the month of March, he only had three games where he wasn't scoring above 30 points yeah. and one of those was a 29 point game right so the other two were like the only faults which which just goes to show just how big of a leap that he made after that and to be and to be honest he was coming back right after the all-star break so I don't know if it was kind of on the sense of oh well you didn't include me then I'm gonna show you what's <laughs> right, up right. but at the same time like he really is becoming one of the best ISO scoring players in the NBA right now that I've seen. I mean, he doesn't really have his efficiency from three right now, which is definitely, I think, the biggest, I don't want to say concern, but the biggest disadvantage in his game. Yeah. Because if he really has that three-point efficiency, can you imagine how little of space people are going to give him? And then he's just going to be going crazy. He's going to be going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just love his abilities of his craftiness near the rim and using his angles to get basically whatever basket he wants. I mean, he probably has to be in the, you know, like upper percentile of getting to the charity stripe. Oh yeah. I mean, not only that, and if you've listened, if you listen to the post game show at all, you know what I'm about to say about his three point shooting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Go, go He had had a shot change. He changed Mm -hmm. his shot a little bit. He got it more out to the outside and not in front of his face. Like he had it in his first couple seasons, which like I said, like he was shooting a good percentage with his old shot. That's for sure. That no doubt about it. But uh, as far as getting the shot off quicker, and as far as you know, just the basic, you don't want the ball crossing your face, like breaking you, eyesight you with the be, rim. Exactly. You want to be. Yeah. You want to be able to see the rim all the way through the shot, or all the way through the shot. So moving it out there, I think it, for long term, it will be good. But it's you kind of had to expect a little bit of dip in some. You know, three point percentages, efficiency. Whenever 
you know, he's probably shot like the one way his entire life. Yeah. And you know, I know he's a professional, so he's going to make so he's going to find some games where he gets hot with his new shot. But, you know, it, you kind of had to expect some sort of dip whenever a guy changes his shot from one way that he's probably been shooting his entire For years. life. Yeah. No matter if he's a professional or not, like you're, there's going to be some sort of dip. But I do think long, long term that that sh- the, his new his new form I think it is good for him long term. One thousand percent. Yeah, that's probably if you've listened to the post games, that's uh, probably the thousandth time I've brought that up. So, but anyways, it's okay. It's but okay. Anyways, it's worth yeah. it's worth mentioning now because if people are going to go back and see some stats and be like, "Well, why was his three point percentage higher two years ago?" You say because he was using his old shooting form and he's yep. still kind of getting into the mechanics of everything. I think the biggest question mark that a lot of people are seeing is what's it going to look like in this upcoming season with him and Josh Giddy now that it's kind of obvious that Josh Giddy will be taking the primary role in the offense and yeah. Shea will be more playing more off ball. Um, I think it's going to look really, really good. I think there's way too much of a, I guess, cattiness involved in yeah. naming who's going to be the yeah. primary guy. Because in reality, like for an offense to work the way it's supposed to, you don't really need to give out those specific roles anymore with how the NBA right. is trending. So I think it's going to look really good. And seeing him beat players off the dribble, I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean like the, it's just a clinic at that point. It's it's so different, too, because that, that conversation, it, it's really, I'm trying to find the right word. Um, and this isn't the right word. This is just the only word that's coming to me right now, but weird. <laughs> I was trying to think of some deep, like, how far can I stretch? How far can I stretch my vocabulary? Uh, but no, it's a really weird conversation be- to me because the fact that you say, okay, well, Giddy needs to have the hand, have the ball in his hands right. for like the, uh, the, majority the majority of the time. Of the time. I get it. But like when you look through, like the, the player that comes to mind immediately for me is Luka Doncic, where... Luka Doncic, he has the ball in his hands all the time, like all the time. Like he is, he is it. He yeah. is, he is, you know, controlling everything. But like that's really one example of like a guy that he's got the ball in his hands all the time, basically. Mm-hmm. And like, and even then, like we saw Jalen Brunson in his playoff run this season, where you know he gets the ball in his hands, he's making stuff happen. It makes it everything well, open up. So that was my thing. Is like, I don't think we should be like pigeonholing someone into being like, okay, he has to have the ball all the time because he's better than Shea at facilitating everything. I think it sh- it should be shared and kind of going with the flow. If that if that makes it, I do believe that Josh Giddy, like he is better at facilitating. I don't think there's any there's you know, no doubt dispute. about there's no dispute but- about that. But I think Shea Gildas Alexander with how effective he is driving to the lane and getting the free throw line. I think there he sh- he deserves some share of. Of that, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, but we can't really compare Luka Doncic with Josh Giddy. No, I'm, I'm not comparing yeah. their game. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm comparing like for them the saying like, okay, this guy this guy needs to have the ball in his hands yeah, yeah, all yeah. the time. I'm saying like for Luka, that's true. Right, that's no, very for, true. That's why. That's, that's, that's where I was. Okay, yeah, that's where I was going with that. For Luka, is 100 true. That's what I'm saying. Um, I yeah, I think a lot of people are really stressing too much on the uh, categorization of what right. players need to be doing in the Let offense. Them go with the flow. They'll and, figure it out. And it's all about chemistry these days. So for me, I'm, I mean, I don't think he needs to be that stressed about what people are calling him, quote unquote. He just needs to worry about his game. Right. Keep play, beating everyone in ISO. Keep driving to the rim. And then, you know, keep improving those shot mechanics from deep. And then he'll right. be solid. Exactly. And that whole I'm a point guard thing, I think that's so overblown, too. Because mm-hmm. I, 
I always use the example of uh, Nikola Jokic. I'm like, okay, but okay. everyone calls him a center, but he's facilitating the offense and <laughs> yeah, doing all so this. So, so is he a point guard? Yeah, I, uh, you know, like, then, just yeah. because he's seven feet tall, like, I don't know. Wasn't like, that the question so I don't of get like the the Giannis Antetokounmpo and uh, uh, Joel Embiid in the All Star conversation of like, or the All Star right. voting? Oh, it like, was are the. We call, uh, are we calling right? Uh, Giannis a uh, center? Are we calling right. Joel Embiid a center thing? Yeah, it's crazy, and it gets stupid. Where I'm just Joel just Embiid, the vibe, guys. yeah, the the you know? all NBA teams is the stupidest thing ever. Where Joel Embiid finishes second in MVP voting, but he's on second team All NBA because he's a center. They, because he's because, categorized as a center. Yes, That's the problem. Because and the, the the guy that won the MVP is all, first. It plays the same position. Yeah, but you know they're the two best. They had the two best regular seasons, and oh no, sorry, you're all your second team because you know you play the same position as the guy that won first. I really hope everyone is loving our tangent that we've gone. No, on. I know, I'm sorry, we we <laughs> I go feel on tangents. Bad now. Yeah, to bring it back, uh, we we brought him up, Josh Giddy, uh, the number six overall pick for the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was criticized by some, me, also kind of me. No, no, I was I was not happy with that pick because listen, I was just a huge fan of Jonathan Kaminga. We, and, we um, all remember. Yeah, yeah. I was just a huge fan, but now I'm an idiot, and I think you know. <laughs> I, it just I, it just goes to show that um, Sam Presti knows a lot more than me. Wow, crazy, right? <laughs> um, but no, I, shout out to Josh Kitty. I, I was so impressed with him and his season. Um, even the uh, you know we we got excited for him. I it's, I went through that coping phase where. Sure. You know, I wanted Jonathan Kaminga a lot. I really did. Mm-hmm. I-, I loved all the athleticism. And I then wanted you went through Sam the five stages of grief. Exactly. You go yeah. through the and then you talk yourself into it. You're like, you watch more clips, watch more highlights. You're like, okay, no, I see it. I see the vision. <laughs> and then it goes to summer league, and he gets hurt in the first three minutes of the game and doesn't play again. And you're like, Everyone well, was so concerned. We were like, yeah, we're so... like, well, he did blow by Kate Cunningham and dunk it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that was great. That play was great. That was the only play he had. <laughs> he got hurt. So it was just, it was good to see. Um, one, me just not, it just come, come for full circle. Um, I'm for myself speaking for myself. It was, I was happy that I got to come for full circle and be like, you know what? Okay. I don't know anything. That's great. I don't know anything. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but you gave Josh Giddy a B plus for his rookie campaign. Again, the floor is yours. Yeah, I gave him a B plus. I think he definitely exceeded everyone's expectations. I think that's very safe to say. <laughs> uh, I, Absolutely. Especially since a, Sam Presti was getting a lot of flack for drafting him at six. And the rumors were, you know, Golden State was wanting him. So that's why they drafted him at six. What You, you know, whatever. Anyway, just the way he was so comfortable from the jump yeah. in the lineup. Like it and he wasn't even, you know, no one really knew what his role was going to be. He was just already in the starting lineup. He has such an incredible court vision. Oh yeah. That is so fun to watch. And you know, being six eight, of course, that gives him the advantage of seeing over these NBA defenses because usually whoever's he's usually getting like what? I would say like the second best defender on the team because yeah. They're going to have their best on Shea Gilles Alexander. Sure. So he's able to see over their, you know, second best defender who's usually smaller. But that being said, he can thread pretty much every pass you oh, can yeah. imagine. Once you can't even imagine, once you're you're not even dreaming of he would make and then it happens and you're just left speechless. I think I think that his passing obviously is just so incredible and beautiful to watch. If you're a yeah. basketball fan, it's beautiful to watch. 
his um, his shooting, I think, definitely progressed throughout the season. There were so many times Matt and I joked about uh, him flirting with a triple-double. He was, and yeah. For, and he was so unique about it because usually people fault in assists. Right. But he always had a double-double, basically, in <laughs> rebounds and assists, yeah. and he could never get the points. Yep. I know. Um, and, and I think a part of that comes from his lack of efficiency from three, something he has in common, I guess, with Shea a little bit. Right. I think he averaged 25% from deep last year, so that's definitely something that needs to improve this offseason. But, and that's kind of why I gave him a B plus because I'm like, you know what? This is like an yeah. area of your game that should be comfortable when you look at where he is in every single other aspect. Also, yeah. defensively, I think he did show a little needs, bit of he newness. Needs, he needs some improvement. Yeah, he needs for some sure. improvement. He's not used to NBA schemes, but he's a rookie. But exactly, you know, like he's he's not used to seeing those trends. Yeah. Um. But you know, you saw him be late on rotations. You saw him get beat off the dribble when he was guarding on the perimeter. Stuff like that. Which is why I didn't give him an A necessarily. But all that stuff can definitely be learned with time and with experience. And once he gets that three point shot down, I mean, good night. Yeah. Good freaking night. Yeah. I mean, not to, like, do we need even need to say he's the youngest player in the NBA history <laughs> to get a triple double? <laughs> right. I think everyone knows that. We but, do. We, we need but, to keep know. saying that. I will keep saying that from the mountaintops. <laughs> and I will also keep saying that he. Would have been rookie of the year had he not. He would, <laughs> he he would. Oh my gosh! This is this, this is a like a we could do a whole podcast on how he I could think, have been rookie of the year. I think he would have been, but shout out to Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. Yeah. I know, I know, Scotty Barnes won it. Evan Mobley was a close second, but whatever. We, I digress. I digress. Um, Lou Dort, just moving smoothly on right there. Uh, Lou Dort, <laughs> he gave a B to um, Lou Dort. He had. Just to me, uh, obviously with the, with the season-ending injury, um, that's it's always tough to grade. You know, for with, sure, with yeah. a guy that got injured, averaged seventeen a game, and I remember one of my friends um, at the at, at Flint uh, came over um, after the game, and he had some questions about what I said about Lou Dort, and I because I said Lou Dort on this team should average 15 to 18 points a game. Yeah. And this was kind of earlier on in the season. You know, Lou was having that good scoring stretch, and he was like, what are you talking about? Like, Lou Dort is not that good. Why are you saying he should? And my thing was, I said on On this this team. team, I said on this team specifically. Yeah. Just basically, by default, (laughs) someone else has to score. Who else is going to do it? Exactly. So, Lou Dort, uh, everyone knows what you get. You get elite perimeter defense already in his second year like i mean elite perimeter defense mm-hmm. and honestly a ton of improvement offensively i i did not think Lou Dort would do some of the things he did now now whether that is on a tanking team by default whatever some of the stuff that he did put on on tape and on display this season i was like i did not think Lou Dort could do that i did not think Lou Dort could do that on offense um so uh, you gave him a b floor is yours Yes, I gave him a B. Uh, I mean, and a lot of his pros obviously come from the defensive end. We've already touched on that. But yeah. just his fundamentals on defense, if if anyone needs to improve on that or if you're really interested in seeing like what elite defense looks like, Lou Dort is definitely a guy you want to watch the highlight reel of because yeah. his – his agility in moving his feet for his size is very impressive. Yeah. Um, just the way that 
He uses his angles and pushes players to uncomfortable situations is impressive. His deny is impressive. Um, and he just is a lock defensively. There's pretty much no one that's getting past him unless somebody else makes a mistake and he's covering for them. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's really the only uh, situation or scenario I really see him get beat off the dribble. There are a few times I've noticed where he's, um, I guess, gambled a little bit in his closeouts and then <laughs> flown by someone who just does a pump fake and goes, all right, here's my nice shot. But um, usually he's the best defender on the floor. Yeah. You then go offensively and even, and I'm, I hope I don't get hate for I Actually, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> he, he's not elite offensively and I don't think he ever will be. Right. And on a winning team, he should probably be maybe sixth man in or he's your, you know, defensive player of the year and you just say like, if we need a pass, yeah, <laughs> you'll yeah. be like, you know, whatever. But on this Thunder team, he is asked to have a more offensive role. He's he's asked to be a two-way player, and which is so funny because usually it's backwards. But whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, he, he really does need to bring that offensive production. And every year you see him improve somewhere in his game. I do think that he still takes a large amount of threes. Yeah. I think of a few more threes three attempts than you would honestly like him to but ultimately I think his shot selection has improved a ton I think I mean we've seen his ability it was it was last season where he really improved his finishing at the rim I mean it was night and day and then this season you really saw him have a softer touch from the outside which was good to see too and like it's hard because you don't necessarily need him to get that much better than that. Like in a in a winning game scenario, you don't really need him to be much more offensively than he is right now. But there's still so many improvements he can make to reach his ceiling. I think, yeah. um, obviously, like maybe being a little bit better off the dribble, using some hesitations, um, creating more space for his shot. I think would be huge. But I I really do think that he improved offensively a ton, and. Obviously, that season-ending injury is unfortunate. And when he was injured and then Kenrich Williams stopped playing, I mean, that defense went from a top-five-ranked yeah. defense yeah. to 17th in the league. Yeah. That is a huge, huge loss. So that just goes to show how important a player like him is on the Thunder roster. For sure. For sure. Um, quickly moving on to uh, the last the last one I wanted to bring up um, as well. I don't think we need to really dive deep into the uh, – into the reserves on this team, you know. Yeah, this, I don't think you know, really dive deep. Uh, the last one I wanted to bring up, though, and it's a guy that you know, we were very high on um, th- this season d- doing post games. That's Trey Mann. You gave Trey Mann a B minus, and Trey Mann playing the way he did, I think, definitely opened up the door for a potential Lou Dort exit a potential Lou Dort trade which we can get into later on interesting in, in like in whenever we talk about draft stuff we, yeah. we can talk about that later but I think with the way that Trey Mann played I think that might have not played Lou Dort out the door by any means by any means like that but opened up the possibility to okay we might be okay if we want to get aggressive in trading up we might be okay in that in another guard spot if we get rid of Lou Dort and want to bring in you know another guard in this draft or something like that but Trey Mann, this season, uh, I thought I thought he was awesome. Showed a ton of flashes offensively, and you know, defensively as a rookie, I don't I don't put a whole lot of, of stock. You know, <laughs> you know just because I don't put a whole lot of stock because everyone's yeah, going to struggle. Same as Josh Giddy. Same a, a, there. A, a lot of people are going to struggle coming in into the league. 
uh, and trying to guard the best players in the world. Um, so, yeah, Trey Mann, B minus, floor is yours. I so happy that you brought him up. <laughs> I like I'm so happy I could I could talk uh, I could talk Trey Man basketball all day. Yeah. Uh I just it's crazy to me when I think about watching him in his first game with the Thunder, him looking very scared to even take a three-point <laughs> shot attempt. And I think he took three he attempted three threes that game. Yeah. But even in that even in that little still I was like, "Okay, this kid, this kid's going to be good." Even then, I did not see him becoming the offensive threat that he accumulated in being by the end of the season. I, I'm i sorry. His step back three is just like salivating. Like his step back three is insane. And, you know, he somehow rounded out his offensive game throughout the entire season he started off from you know getting comfortable from NBA range then he starts putting in a step back then he's throwing in hesitations then he's like oh I'm gonna take a take a little notch out of Shea Gillis Alexander's book and I'm gonna start going to the rim then he dunks for the first yeah. time and we're all like this dude's 6'3 yeah. <laughs> like we and didn't know he had these the kind of hops right yeah. yeah literally jumping people out of the gym then he starts going like you know what I'm gonna use some hesitations and then I'm gonna go for some float up floaters I'm gonna go for some jumpers and so by the end of the season, Trey Mann was actually scoring at all three levels. Yeah. And for a rookie to go from where he was at the beginning of the season to the end, scoring that confidently in all three areas of the offense, I think was huge for the Thunder. Yeah. And like we're going to get into where that's going to leave him after who the Thunder trade or who the Thunder draft. I think that that's going to kind of – maybe show what his trajectory will be for the Thunder's future. But just in this season specifically, he was just lights out different from the beginning. Yeah. And then he, you know, became the uh, like the first rookie to hit seven straight threes in yeah. a game. He had that crazy night where he scored 23 in a quarter. Yeah. And then he um, he had that heat check from, <laughs> from oh, half yeah. court. That was Love insane. Um, just incredible. And you mentioned his, you know, struggles on the defensive end. It's worth noting, and that's why, you know, like he did get a B minus was a little bit of that defensive struggle. And uh, to be honest, I still think that he made some really good improvements from that end, too. I remember there were a few games where he made a defensive mistake, and even though he was hot, Mark Dagnall, Thunder's head coach, if you don't know, took him <laughs> out um, because he's not going to reward players on the team for making defensive mistakes. So he started, you know, ripping ripping the ball from players. He started becoming more of a slasher, and I think that that's a perfect role for him. So I'm I'm excited to see where he goes in his career. Me too. I think he needs to watch uh, as much Jamal Crawford, Jordan Clarkson, mm-hmm. Lou Williams highlights, and be like, hey, I can make an impact coming off the bench for sure. I can I can be the sixth man and just get buckets. Like I think I think that is a perfect role. For Trey, man, it's my favorite role in the NBA. That's why I love Jordan oh, Clarkson so much. Jordan so Clarkson's I loved uh, J.R. Smith, too. Like, Jamal Crawford, all those guys. They come off the bench, and it's like, hey, you're going against the second teamers to get yourself hot. Just shoot. Yeah, Ju- shoot the, Just shoot. Shoot And like everything. we said, it makes, it makes it easier to shoot better when you know that you have the green light. You, you got the ultimate green light. Come in and shoot. We want you to shoot. We're going to be mad at you if you don't shoot it. Like I think it makes it easier to shoot better like that too. So, um, yeah, no, Trey, man, excited for him. 
and uh, what's to come for his Thunder career. Christine, you want to talk a little draft? Let's talk some draft. Let's talk some draft. Draft is uh, hot in the streets right now. Coming up, we are recording this uh, we almost a week out. Week out yeah. Almost a week out. Um, we're recording this the 15th of June. Christine the Thunder, it worked. They got the number two pick. Whoa! It worked. This tank stuff oh works. Oh my gosh! This tank oh, stuff works. I remember works. the emotions the of that curse, night. I know. The cur- I was, so I was yelling at my I was so TV. anxious. And I'm still anxious. I told I told my friends, I'm like, if I go mentally insane, you'll know it's from me like overanalyzing what could happen right. in this draft. Right. I am. It, it, and yes, that is exactly what we are doing. I am also going crazy overanalyzing every little uh, detail, specifically like, about the top three picks. Yeah. Now, you know I that think- you know that meme where it's like there's the girl sleeping next to like her boyfriend or whatever, and yeah. she's like, he's probably thinking about someone else. Right. I am the guy that's like, if the Thunder draft this person at two, then they could draft this person at 12. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You're connecting all the dots. You're like, all these dots are connecting. And then you got just the waves of like rumors and smoke yes. and everything. Yes. And, um, so I, we'll start off at two, obviously. Uh, we will start off at the number two pick. Uh, the Thunder have worked out all three of the kind of consensus top three. Um, yeah, you can throw Jaden Ivey in there as, like, as a top four, but... The Thunder have worked out the consensus top three, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro. Christine, where do you fall, or who do you want the Thunder to take? As, as Just as you, as Christine me. Butterfield, who do you, not not projecting anything, yeah, not, yeah. not trying to get inside the mind of Sam Presti, which is an impossible task, so mm-hmm. just stop doing that. Because uh, <laughs> I need to tell, that's more for myself. Because yeah, I, I, no I always try to get in his, I'm like, Oh, he thinks he might do this, yada, yada, yada. He's done this before, yada, yada. No, no. Stop it, Matt. <laughs> and everyone out, anyone else out there who needs to, to listen it. to this, stop trying to get in that, inside that man's head. It will not work. Christine Butterfield, the person who covers the Oklahoma City Thunder, who would you like to see the Oklahoma City Thunder select second overall? So I'm currently writing my own mock draft, which is based on team fit. It's not going to be based on what I legitimately think will happen. Okay. And I'm choosing the same person that I'm going to choose here, which is Jabari Smith. I think right. Jabari Smith, for right now, with who the Thunder have, is just the most perfect fit that you could ask for yep. in the top three. Because when you think, we've already talked about Shea, Gildas Alexander, we've talked about Josh Giddy, that duo. You added Jabari Smith just spotting up from three, it's it's over. At yeah. his length and his athleticism, it's done. Yeah. Like, at this shot 42% point, from three. Literally shot 42%. Crazy. It's insane. At whatever, 6'10". He's, I know his, like, oh, I just, honestly, I, I dream about a player a like defender too. Jabari Smith. Exa- exactly. He's yeah. not just, uh, you know, offensive threat and then defensively is uncoordinated. Like, he, right. can, he can guard pretty much any position on the yeah. defensive end. So when I think about the trio of them together and you have, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander as an ice coast scoring threat, you have Josh Giddy facilitating the ball, being yep. just an elite playmaker, and then you add in as athletic of a spot up shooter as Jabari Smith, I think that that trio is pretty unbeatable. I like think it's a pretty you're good gonna trio. like you you would have a tough time as a defense trying to rotate well, trying to make sure you're constantly on one of these guys because at one point you're going to be way too spread thin and then you'll have the role players that'll be open and that's when they'll make their their shots or whatever that's when you know Lou Dort will get his but like 
I just think that when you add Jabari Smith in, you add his length on the offensive and defensive end, his versatility, just every everything that makes it click for the Thunder, they're missing, I think, in Jabari Smith. Gotcha. But although I get very nervous when I think about the actual probability of that. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you should be nervous if the Thunder get Jabari Smith. I, no, I, I mean I the like probability that. of them draf- drafting oh, Jabari right, Smith. Oh, right, 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 because he might go one. Because he, yeah, he might go he, one. He'll probably go one. Him and Chet, I think, the Caesars Sportsbook, they have almost even odds Yeah. Uh, to go number one overall. Um, so, no, I, as far as Jabari Smith goes, I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, the, the fit would be awesome. The, I mean, shooting 42% from three at 6'10". Like, how can you pass how that up? As, as, as athletic as he is and as good defender he is, I I think if he was there at two, assuming Chet goes one, I think that's who you see the Thunder select. And, and I think I think they're happy about it. They're insanely oh, 100%. happy about it. Yeah. Did you, you, know, you know that like the Thunder are the only team that talked to him? Right, right? Uh, besides the Magic. Yeah, yeah, besides the yeah. magic, he, he, uh, he was only working out for one and two. He yeah. wasn't working out doing anything with he the Rockets. Like, yeah, no, He's I'm like, good. no, I'm, I'm, I'm only doing one and two. So yeah, that and um, I, the the fit would be great. I'm trying to think about what I was. I literally just had a point and it it has passed me by. The point has passed me by. But okay. anyways, I do like Jabari Smith Jr. a lot, and he would. I mean, instantly be a difference maker. So I think any of these instantly. three guys, any of these three guys would be. Um, so, all right, let's take it off the board. Let's just go through. Let's let's take Jabari Smith off the board. He goes to the Magic. Yeah. Let's say the <laughs> Thunder draft Chet Holmgren. Christine, your assessment. I've really thought long and hard about this because, well, for, first of all, any of the people out there saying that he's just another version of Alexei Pokashevsky, you need to, like, that's, reassess yeah, your analysis of basketball. That is That is a lazy take. Um but I do think there is a system where it works. Although I don't think that system right now includes them playing side by side, Aleski Kokoshevsky and Chet Holmgren. I think that that would be a mess, to be honest. Like just where Pokoshevsky is in his career and the newness of Chet Holmgren coming into the NBA, I don't think that there's a lineup where they can share it and it's successful at this point. But if you put Chet Holmgren with Darius Baisley, I'm very intrigued yeah. because I think I think when you add the length in of Darius Baisley with his coordination, with how sound Darius Baisley has become defensively, because Darius Baisley has now, you know, let it be known, he's looking for the toughest covers. If, yeah. you know, Lou Dort wants to guard the toughest guards, he's guarding the toughest big man or, you know, bigger guard, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, then you have Chet Holmgren as the rim protector, so Darius Baisley can, you know, get it done on the perimeter. If he gets beat, which he probably won't, but if he does, you got Chet Holmgren just swatting everything away. And then offensively, you have someone to get easy lobs to. He's not that bad from three. I mean, I know he had a didn't he doesn't he have like a thirty nine? Yeah, he shot thirty nine percent from three. From three. Yeah. yeah, average um, like four blocks a game. Yeah. Like it was like four point two or something yeah. when I was looking, and I'm like, okay, 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 that's that's nice. Um, so I see it working out in that sort of fashion. I do think that he'll have to get. I I think that his road to I guess impacting an NBA team I think will be a little bit longer than someone like Jabari Smith mm-hmm. or even someone like Paulo Banchero, but um, Banchero, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but he's such an exciting prospect. Like he's someone that you would want to put that future into. Absolutely. The the word that comes to mind is unique. 
He is so unique because, I, I mean, there aren't many seven foot two guys in the world that are coordinated. Let alone, right. let alone can do the things he can do mm-hmm. on the basketball floor. Um, I think fit wise, I think I would like to see at least for the first however many years of his career, uh, maybe not be that you know, maybe he's not the one guarding a Joel Embiid or whatever. Like maybe maybe not okay, to start. For, he should never like he should never be put which, on Joel Embiid. Which I'm not. Right I'm not saying like. There's he not really get, anyone who can guard Joel Embiid. I'm not. Get broken. I'm not yeah. I'm, I'm, there's not really anyone who can guard Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. That's why they're so good. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not knocking Chet for not maybe not <laughs> being able to guard those guys because there's not many people who can. Um, but I think I would like to see him kind of play that four at Gonzaga. I mean, they had Drew Timmy who was down low. Like he played down low. He was spotting yeah. up on the block. He was posting up on the block. He was doing all that. And Chet Holmgren kind of got to you know. Yeah, kind of move around, bit. move around yeah. offensively. I would like to see that for him offensively. There, is, there is, is no him. pigeonhole for him, right? Exactly. That's why. That's why you so he's so unique. You you could put him down there on the block, and I think he'd do fine. Yeah, but I don't think that maximizes what he could bring to an offense. Um, and then defensively, I think there. I think he instantly maybe becomes one of the best like help side rim protectors in in the league. Yeah. Um, and I I unique. It's just. I just keep coming back to that. You know, everyone see, I'm not blind. I can see his body type. I can see, I'm not blind. I can see how thin he is. That's, that's fine. I think, I think that's the one thing that people stress over too much that I, I just don't think they should stress over too much is that I think professional organization can put weight on a guy if that frame can hold it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's because it's so new. True. And and like, there's the reason like Kevin Durant doesn't look a whole lot different than he did. Like, I mean, yeah, he put on some pounds, but he's still skinny. Like he's, he's still put he's on still like, like what, you think twenty pounds maybe. Oh, uh, like, well, probably over his more, career, probably more than that. But you just really can't tell because maybe his yeah. frame and his body, his arms can't hold that much muscle. Like you know, they they do so many, they hire so many sports scientists and nutritionists. Like they know how much weight they can put on a guy, and that frame still be able to like hold it, and them mm-hmm. still still be able to affect to be effective um, with however much weight is put on. So. I'm not worried about that like a lot of people are. Like, I think that's the main, like, that's concern. kind of the concern, the main concern that I see from Thunder fans who, like, text into the show or text into the radio or anything like that um, is the, about his weight. And I would just say I would think professional okay. organizations can, Thunder fans, can figure that out. Thunder fans, if you're texting about his weight, why weren't you texting about Let's Keep Pokashevsky's weight two oh, they years were. ago? They were. Okay. <laughs> that was, that was the main concern. As long as it's the same guy, that was the main I'm, concern good, for sure. For I'm sure. Good. Um, so I think we covered Chet. I, I, I mean, listen, I, I've re- kind of resigned myself to the fact that no matter which one of these three that the Thunder take, I'm fine with because I like them all a lot. Um, so let's get into let's get into the third guy. Let's get into some possibilities. Paolo oh, Bancaro. Paolo Bancaro. Yeah. Bancaro. Let's get in, and let me let me just. I'm just going to start this one off, and then I'll let you say what of you course, say. Of course, he's okay, your right? guy. It's so okay. This, he is my guy. I would take him number one overall. That's just me. <laughs> now, I'm, don't, don't laugh. It's not biased don't laugh. at all. It's no, not it's biased. Not it's, not bi- it's not biased. It's biased and the fact that I've watched him more than everybody else. everyone else in that yeah, draft. So sure. so it's, it's biased and the fact that me admitting that I've watched him way more than anyone else. So I've kind of got a firm grasp. Uh, okay, so he measured in, I believe it was today. If it wasn't today, it was yesterday. Six ten and a quarter without shoes on, so okay. So he's he's he okay. he's possibly reaching seven feet in shoes. So 
uh, he's like six eleven in shoes. Was it was say that six eleven? I in think shoes. six eleven so is more fair. I'll, I'll just stick with six ten. He's six ten. Playmaker. I think he can play make for everyone else better than Chet and Jabari. I don't think that's even I think a question. That's fair. I don't think that's even a question. So if if we're talking about you know the Thunder in this trend of like getting positionless guys, I get Chet is that as well. But I think Paulo Bencaro has that as well. Plus, he can play make. That's another thing. They're trying to get a bunch of positionless playmakers. That was that was kind of the deal with like Josh Giddy wanting to get Shea, wanting to get Poku. That was like the that was kind of the best. Like that was kind of the deal, right? They wanted these tall, positionless playmakers at like every position, right? I'm, I I realized I said positionless and I said positions, but anyways, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Um. So a six ten playmaker, six ten two fifty. By the way, weighs two fifty, just strong as an ox, um, <laughs> and can play make for others. His shot got way better the, as the season went on. Struggled shooting from the outside uh, to begin the season at Duke, and then at the end, I mean, he was one of Duke's best three point shooters besides AJ Griffin. Like he was one of the best three point shooters for Duke, and the fact that he played, I know it's just one game. He played Chet Holmgren and dominated. <laughs> he dominated that game. He played great. And I do put some stock into every time Duke had a big game, he showed up in a big way in every single game. Both of the North Carolina games, Duke lost. He was not the problem. He he was he was a problem for North Carolina. But that was the, that was the thing. Is no one else really like showed up in those games, but he did. So in in the biggest game, the Virginia Tech game, uh, in the ACC title game, Palabancaro showed up. A lot of other guys didn't. They lose that game. And the I mean the the whole NCAA tournament. I mean I think he was the best player in the tournament. Like he was he was so good in the NCAA tournament in Duke's biggest moments too. In the Duke's biggest regular season and postseason games, he showed up in a big way in in all of the big games. So now positionless. Playmaker, 6'10", 250. Tell me why he shouldn't even be considered. Why he's basically just not even being considered right now for one or two. We just got this full scouting report from Sorry, our yeah, own, I, Matt Burton. I, if anyone can't tell, I'm a Duke fan. So. Yeah, let it there be known. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, why he's being overlooked by the top two teams? Or, right, right. Um, and I, I, don't th- I, I want to preface this by saying I don't think it's any disrespect. I think it's just the fact that I, I think a lot of scouts and everyone are just higher on Jabari yeah. and Chet and, and their ceilings over Paolo Bancara, not the fact that, oh, Paolo's just not any good. Yeah, I think it goes down to the fact that when you look at Chet Holmgren, he is a once-in-a-lifetime player. Like, I don't know I don't know if we're ever going to see another player like him in the draft yeah. for the at least the next ten years. Except next year when Victor Winbanyama comes. But that's another But but don't quote me on that. But um Chet Holmgren specifically and with his skill set, with his size and length, yeah. I, I, I shouldn't say size because he is under two hundred pounds, but <laughs> um with his length and his skill set is going to be a very special player, one that you can't replicate easily. Yeah. I think Jabari Smith, with how young he is and how coordinated he is at 6'10", with his uh, ball handling skills, with the his ability to shoot from anywhere and the, his ability to play defense, I think when you wrap that all together, also makes him just... I think, I think 
the reason why he's probably slightly above Paulo Bancaro right now is because he is already a plug-and-play player for pretty much any team in the league. Ooh. I would say Paulo's maybe the most NBA-ready out of any of them. That's just me. Again, I'm, I'm sorry, biased. go ahead. You have, Again, you, have the, you, have the, you have the floor. Um, I'm not saying Paulo is not NBA-ready. I think he completely is. For sure. I, I think, though, first of all, defensively, he is inconsistent. Yes. And I think that, that when you're when you're looking at the microscopic reasons yeah. on who to draft above the other in the top three, I think that that plays a huge role. For sure. When you look at the fact that Chet Holmgren is such an elite rim protector already, yeah. Jabari Smith can guard at all five positions right now, and then you go to your question marks about Pablo Bancaro, and you're like, okay, sometimes he's into it, sometimes right. he's not, depending on who he's playing. Will he be consistent in the NBA? Will he be like if he's on? Let's say he's on the Houston Rockets. Right. Who would draft him at three? Uh, is he going to be locked in against the Thunder, for example? Right. Like, will he care? Unless it's someone like Chet Holmgren who got drafted over him. Like, there's just, I think defensively, there's a few questions on his consistency that raise a question mark. And then, um, I mean, offensively, yeah, he's a he can be a strong playmaker. He's a good shooter. He's I think he can shoot from mid-range. I think he can shoot from three. I think he can um, go to the basket. All all those great things. I just, I I think for some reason, the uniqueness isn't just quite there. And when you look at Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren, they have a little bit more of a shine because they are slightly more unique. But I do think Paulo Pancaro is going to have the easiest transition into the NBA. Okay. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not. Was that, was that a good I, enough no, answer? Yeah, it was. It was good. I gave you the floor. I, I wanted, you know, someone to explain to me because I, I'm like. Uh, you, I just don't get it. Yeah, I'm like I'm like Mugatu in Derek Zo- in Zoolander right now. I'm like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what I'm not seeing that everyone else is not seeing. Um, but anyways, so I, I digress. I digress. Uh, quickly moving on to the the Thunder also have the number twelve pick in the draft. Who are some names that you would like to see? The Thunder there. You, Christine Butterfield. Me, Christine Butterfield. The journalist would like to see there. Uh, I think, like, I, it entirely depends on if they get Chet Holmgren at two sure. or if let's they ju- get let's Jabari just go Smith. With, let's just go, for argument's sake, let's go with consensus. Jabari Smith goes one. Chet Holmgren goes to the Thunder at two. Chet Holmgren goes to Thunder at two. I think you're not going to see them draft a big at 12. No, correct. You're yeah, not going to yeah, see no. you're not going to see Jeremy Sohan, even though he worked out right. with the Thunder. You're not going to see Mark Williams cry me a river (laughs) Uh, so you're gonna see more of a shooting shooting guard style type player I think that the pick is a little bit too high for them to pick Ochai from Kansas I think you might be seeing I mean AJ Griffin will be gone by that point um Usman Diang is or Ding. Usman Jang, yeah, 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 yeah. he's he's a name that's kind of be hot name right now it's a hot name for the Thunder to draft there he is like you say like I don't like we're never gonna know Sam Presti's head. That is like the most typical Sam Presti pick you can oh, imagine. Yeah. Six ten positionless, long lanky. Long lanky played has, in Australia. has bad shooting form. <laughs> played in Australia. Uh, played in Australia. Uh, you know, not, not great shooting form. Right. Defensively is pretty strong. Uh, kind of coordinated, but pretty raw. That's like his kind of For profile. Sure. I think he's a name being tossed around. Dyson Daniels is another other name that's being tossed around. Yeah, he has kind of shot Unite, up. Right? He has kind of shot up draft boards. Dyson yeah. Daniels has. Which I know, like I feel like he was yeah, lower saw, teens and yeah. then now he's kind of being projected in top 10, which I yeah. think is really like a huge dump to make. 
Um, thankfully, I think Shaden Sharp will be gone by that point. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get into that here. I got into that in the first right. basketball show. Next time, um, next time, next time we'll have you on. We'll we'll do it. Next okay. time we do a show, we'll get into some Shaden Sharp and why you hate him. Okay, uh, hate is a strong word. Hate uh, the hype is because he's what Canadian. I, no, I love Canadians. I love okay. Lou Dort, obviously. So he'll already be gone. I think I think it's going to kind of be Usman Dieng. Uh, I, I came up with, I mean, Dyson Daniels, like I already said. Right. But yeah. And so like if the opposite happens and they draft Jabari Smith at two, then you're going to be seeing like some Mark Williams, Jeremy Sohan. I think uh, I think they would honestly draft Jeremy Sohan over Mark Williams at this point. Neither oh, yeah. of them. I think Mark Williams, I think Mark Williams is more like 15, 15. to 17. You know what? Range, you so. know what I think is going to, you know what I kind of think is going to happen? This is not Thunder, but I think... There's a really strong possibility that the Hornets will draft Ochai Baji at 13 I know, yeah. and Mark, Mark Williams, Williams at 15. 15. Yeah, I would be down for that. I'd yeah, be, I would love I'd be that. so down for that. I would love that. I do not I do not see the Thunder drafting Ochai Baji. I don't either. No, just based I know, on age. First of all, first of all I know age. that you're trying I'm to- I'm sorry. Like, no, I'm I, not. I, I would like to see- I, I think Ochai Baji would be great, but- I think he'd be good. I think he- I, I, I think know he needs, that it's not going to happen. I just- Yeah, it's just- He's, so he's just too old. Or Jalen Duran. Yeah, yeah he he's is. just too old. Oh, I know. I was yeah, so I did a. No, he's obviously yeah. twenty two is not old. I know that, but it's for right for drafting for, for drafting that is yeah. you know you it's, just based on you don't want a guy to give a guy his second contract when he's twenty six years old. Like exactly. that's just yeah. you would rather give it to him when he's twenty two, yeah. not twenty six. Like yeah, you're it's right. just one of those things. So uh, I do think Oshai Baji will be good. Don't get me wrong. I just. I don't think he's no in any he's, position for the Thunder. I think he's either if he doesn't go to the Hornets, I will be shocked if he if they don't because they have thirteen and fifteen. Yeah. If he doesn't go to the Hornets, he's going to the Hawks at sixteen. Yeah. I think that's pretty much. I think a he'd lock. be great for the Hawks too. Me too. Those are the those are the top two spots. But yeah, other than that, I mean, pretty much everyone else I think will be gone. I'm really sad. I think Benedict Matherin will yeah, be gone. I, I do love too. I love his profile. I love I him too. as a player and just transition and. And defending too, yeah. he's so fun to watch. But I think he'll also be gone. So I think Benedict my... Matherin is what Victor Oladipo should have been. Like I think <laughs> I think he's like he's yeah. like and Victor Oladipo is a, is a really good player and had some great years in Indiana too. But um, yeah, no, I think I think Benedict Matherin he reminds me a lot of like what people better... are projecting Victor Oladipo to be. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, I I would love to have him there at twelve. Um, but to to wrap up here, we'll, we'll do the last thing. Jonathan Gavoni put out today basically that the Oklahoma City Thunder are the most aggressive team trying to trade up. Mm-hmm. And everyone has kind of circled the Kings at four. So it would be some sort of combination, I'm sure, of Lou Dort, 12, and, and insert however many future first-round picks. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. it's different. I, I just talked about this with, with Chisholm. Um, it's it would be different. Like, okay, if I if I have something that people want to buy, that whatever I have something that people want to buy, and Christine, me and you work in radio, a national so we're championship not, trophy, maybe? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 just just something <laughs> tangible. Like, let's say yeah. I have whatever that you want to buy. I have a good tangible good that you want to buy, and I know we we work in radio, so I kind of know our our like limitations on spending, right? <laughs> okay, I kind of know our limitations on spending. And if Jeff Bezos comes in and wants to buy this product as well, like I'm asking a million for it and you're going to give me a million because we work in radio. We can obviously afford that. But no, 100%. but yeah, yeah. So a million from you, mm-hmm. but I, Jeffrey Bezos is coming in. I know, I know his net worth. I can look up his net worth. hundred percent. Yeah. And I can be like, um, 
Jeff, it's gonna it's gonna be a hundred million for you. And he's like, bet. He's like, bet, yeah, sure. That's kind of the thing. The Thunder, everyone knows how much draft capital they have. So the price will be higher just based on, you know, how much draft capital that everyone knows that they have. Mm-hmm. So it would be insert however many but I think Jonathan Gavoni's his actual like his actual quote was they are putting their they're ready to put their foot on the gas. So they're ready to hey throw that thing <laughs> throw that thing into fourth gear. We're, we're ready. We're ready to go. So would you be okay? I mean I, I know I know my answer. I'm just would you be okay with the Thunder making that trade, getting rid of Ludor, getting rid of number twelve pick, getting rid of all these future however many future first you want to get a draft where they come away with either Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith at two and Jaden Ivey at four. I kind of think it matters on if they get Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren though. Okay. And Dude, also, whichever, whichever one also, you would like. like you, Jabari Smith, let's say Jabari Smith and Jaden Ivey. No. That wouldn't be worth it. No, personally, I think if you're getting Chet Holmgren and Jaden Ivey, I think it's worth it. I think if you're getting Jabari Smith and Jaden Ivey, I don't think it is. I think that Jabari Smith, in that sense, is such a like such a great shot or, or shooter, basically, and they have enough playmakers on their team to kind of account for the fact of Jaden Ivey. Isn't Jaden Ivey like 6'3", 6'4"? Yeah, somewhere there. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, he is a little bit undersized and... But might be the most athletic guy in the draft. Oh, I think he's easily the most yeah. athletic guy. I mean, he has the quickest step oh, out yeah. of everyone. Yeah. I just, I guess I falter a little bit on the fact that I think if you're getting someone as athletic as Jabari Smith, I don't think it's necessary to use that much draft capital and someone like Lou Dort for Jaden Ivey. I think if you have Chet Holmgren, who's basically like the opposite side of the coin of Jaden Ivey, I think that that creates a really interesting dynamic and one that makes sense right now. Yeah. And that's why I would, that's why I would be here for that. I also think if they drafted Jaden Ivey, you know that either Teo Maladon or Ty Jerome or both Dunskis. Yeah, I think Ty Jerome may be Dunsky. I think Ty Jerome is 100% Dunsky. He's got a team option, I think. Yeah, no, he's 100% Dunsky. I think that's done. And and to be honest, I really do think that Teo Maladon at this point... At some point, yeah. It's it's like... I think the writing's kind of in the wall. I know it does. Breaks my heart, but... Yeah, I mean, we we all wanted to believe in him. But I think at this point, you're looking at the Thunder's future. Obviously, Ty Jerome has that player option. He'll probably be going somewhere else. I think Teo Maladon hasn't improved enough in the time that he's been given... And with those accumulated, those two guards won't be here. So someone like Jaden Ivey, who has basically the same build, but way more athletic, way more of a playmaking threat, great in transition, solid defender, hyper-athletic. I think that that makes sense when those two are gone. And if they draft someone as lanky and as um, defensively attractive as Chet Holmgren, I think it definitely does make sense. Although... Like I said before, if it's Jabari Smith, I don't really know if I like that combination. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say I would do that trade a thousand times. A thousand times. One thousand times right over. Now? Yes, I, I just I think getting if 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 Sam Presti so has I, well, identified Jaden Ivey as like that dude, like I have to trade back up to get because we're gonna get one of these guys to one thousand percent. I do, and just based on, I think Jaden Ivey's ceiling is in a different stratosphere higher than Lou Dort's. 
Oh, I agree I think with it's that. It's in a different, completely different stratosphere. And I would do, I would do that trade. It, you have all these picks. Do it if if you if you believe in Jaden Ivey that well, much, and you think that he can be. And I mean, I think everyone kind of thinks he can be a better player than than Lou Dort. I think like Lou Dort went undrafted at Jaden Ivey's. Like, yeah, right? Yeah. No, I'm. I think I think Jaden Ivey is going to be awesome. Um, and I don't think it really matters for me who would be there at two. If you accumulate either two of Jabari and Jaden or Chet and Jaden, I I mean that's a just a ton a ton of talent, a ton of young talent to grow with. I and I don't think at, at, at for the rebuilding team we we've talked about this before too. I just I don't think you need to, you know. I, I don't think you need to lean on fit as much as just accumulating as much talent as possible. That's fair. I I think here here's my final take on that whole trade. Yeah. A trade, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Just um, this is a hypothetical. Too. Yeah. I mean, the hypothetical like, yeah. of the situation. If Sam Presti and the rep- is serious about this and the reports are true and he does get the fourth pick and he does get Jaden Ivy. It is very obvious that the whole there is no quote timeline on when the rebuild will be over, that is out the window. Yeah. Because him him basically stating or like trying to make a trade happen where they get up to four, where they get the two and fourth pick yep. means that once these two players are here, I think that We're they're going. going to be diving in. We're going. Yeah. And they're and they're and they're in for the long haul. They're in to make the playoffs and they're trying to win now. And I think Thunder fans would be okay with that. I think <laughs> a lot of Thunder fans would be Thunder okay with that. Thunder fans would be more than okay with that. Um okay, sorry, I lied. We're we're not going to wrap up just yet. We're wrapping up after this because I think it's time to get a vibe check. You know the f- Vibes? You sure you're all good? No, I'm actually not good, man. Can I tell you something? Yeah, bro, yeah. The vibe's off, man. Uh, the, the park vibe? Yeah, the park vibe's off, man. Get real, dude. Your vibe's off. Is it noticeable? Is it noticeable? I, I don't know. I think I feel like I bring in some good vibes. All right, you have four minutes to tell me what the f- is going on. I, I don't know, man. I, I, th- I thought my vibe was chill, bro. No, well, you thought wrong. So, that's your, that's your, that's your bad. <laughs> Let's get a vibe check. That's right. You know the vibes. Oh, you know the vibes. The vibes, vibes are, are immaculate. Back. If They're you are immaculate. A, a fan of the post-game show, you guys know about the vibe check segment. I mean, it's everyone's favorite. It's everyone's favorite. It's everyone's and it's favorite. been a while since we've gotten to do it. So we're going to do it right now. It's okay. We're going to do some vibe uh, check here. Um, much needed Christine, vibe check. Like, uh, this can be Thunder-centric. It can be just NBA-centric. It can be whatever you want it to be. Whatever wow. you want your vibe check to be, I will let you go first. Oh, my god. And gosh. I don't think I need to remind you... We do bad vibes first. Yeah, we always do bad vibes always. first. We've never messed no, that up. No, we've never messed that up. Shout out Josh Connett. He's yeah, never messed that up. He's never messed it up, no. Uh, this is really tough. I know I'm springing this on you. This, this, is, this it's so broad. Yeah, it's right. so broad. That's why it's tough. Do, would you like me to go first? No, I have bad okay, vibes already. Let's do it. My bad vibes go to Draymond Green getting to do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> Like does he just oh, have Draymond. Yes, does he, he does. have the loophole you have of like to, every you like NB, like NBA He did it right. He did referee. it right. He established early on in his career that he was the wild card okay, already. But, but here's and the so thing. now so, like, you kind of expect to, that from no, him. No, we all know yeah, here's the thing. I I understand that he will get the like the get bulk of calls his way and he won't get the flagrants that he needs to like go out of the game. Whatever. Right. Like because he's Draymond Green. Although when you are literally stomping on a player and like <laughs> having your feet in between their legs right. Like, we're doing yeah. nothing about this. No, I'm, I'm telling you, he just he established from day one that he was the wild card, 
And uh, that's not that's now like, it's, it's gone however like, many years. That's now. like the parent that lets the toddler eat whatever they want. For sure, yeah. And then the to- and then the toddler gets fat. Yeah. And then has diabetes. <laughs> and then you're like, how did we let this happen? How did this happen? Yeah. No, you let it happen. You let it happen. The league let they this did. happen. The league let Draymond eat whatever he wanted. Yeah. And now they're and now he's strolling with yeah. diabetes. They got some regrets. They got some regrets. No, I like that. I like that. So yeah, that's definitely my bad vibes. You need like to give that. me a second for my good vibes. Okay, though. I will. I will get my bad vibes out of okay. the way. Okay, let's get them okay. out of the way. Uh, let's get the bad vibes out of the way here, and I'm going to go with smoke. You heard me. All the smoke and the rumors and everything that goes <laughs> around and dra- it. it's You're driving me it. crazy. Yeah, I, it's bringing down my vibes. It's, it's bringing down my vibes. Vibes are not. Vibes, I know. Bringing up my anxiety. Yes, and when I get deep into these, you know dives and like, oh man, uh, Shaden Sharp and, and Jabari Smith were, were here in Oklahoma City and they had dinner together. And I'm like, <laughs> how, who do I believe? Like, what, do, what is going on here? Everything, how did my I brain, not catch them out at Whataburger? My brain is breaking, yeah. basically. Yeah. And that's why that's a good uh, my bad vibes is smoke. Because it scrambles your brain. Oh my gosh, I'm so here for that bad vibes. I'm so glad you got that out of the way. I know. I know. Completely agree. Completely agree. I think my good vibes kind of going off of your bad vibes sure. are that we are a week out from the draft which means that the insanity will soon be drawn to a close for sure we will have our answers there's no more scrambling no more scrambling yes. and everything will be solidified and we can just enjoy the process exactly exactly my good vibes are that okc82 is back i yeah! am so happy that uh, we get to do this again um, and Christine's going to be on a, a ton. Uh, it's going to be a kind of a rotating uh, deal, but uh, I for the I am just I'm happy that this is back and getting uh, getting you know to talk some Thunder basketball and uh, Thunder draft, all that good stuff. Um, so that is my good vibes. The vibes are immaculate. Christine, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me on here. It's everyone, so good to be back. Everyone, go follow Christine on Twitter at Sports. You can follow me at I am Matt Burton. And make sure you are following along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Go listen to this podcast, OKC82. We'll be back with more later. Coming up, we got some, We, I mean, coming up on the uh, on the docket, we got our Thunder Insider show um, on Saturday that I will be, I will be a part of. It would be me, Daniel Bell, uh, Brandon Rabar. We'll be posting that onto OKC82. And then I got some stuff uh, in the works with Derek Parker going down some more i really just wanted to dive deep on the draft with it like because i yeah. mean i know he dives super deep on him and uh i wanted to i wanted to wade in some of his waters there that he is okay. going into i want him to tell me why i i'm just going to keep asking these paulo bancaro questions because i want someone to tell me someone smarter than me i asked you i asked Derek park i'm going to ask Derek parker i'm asking people smarter than me what am i missing what crazy pills am i taking but anyways. It's okay. Anyways. I mean, I'm going to be dropping a mock draft on thefranchiseok.com. It'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Um, part of it will be a joke. Yeah. Part of it will be serious. So go check it out. Yeah. You already put out a, a super funny video that I, everyone loved. It was super it was, funny. I think it was great. Super I, I funny. Know, I thought you, know, you of all people would really yeah, enjoy that. I didn't really see the joke. That would have been a great draft. That draft should have won a national championship. Yeah. Well. If you like, if you, I said, if you lucky enough for the thunder. To, go to my th- go to my Twitter at CB on Sports because I just put out a promotional video for the draft. Like I replied, 
lucky for the Thunder, they wouldn't ever have to play the North Carolina Tar Heels. <laughs> so it would have been perfect. But anyways, on that note, we are signing off. Keep up with us for more updates, all that stuff. We're going to be pumping out a ton of content, hopefully, uh, and bringing this channel back. So thank you so much for listening to OKC82. Later.